So that, you know, in terms of quality and getting trained in quality and most quality methods, I think the only word to describe most quality training is abysmal. It doesn't deliver. I don't disagree with that. Yeah, it doesn't deliver the, the results that everybody expects. I want to set up situations where you have to practice knowledge. That makes learning very active. So it, it's, it's to be engaged. And this training works by, by making them active and making them do stuff. You know, we're, we are teaching lessons. I mean, they're, the, the lecture didn't completely go away, but yes. we also had this feedback loop where we could say, you have to synthesize stuff. And it's okay if you make errors because that gives us the ability to help you. The response on the student side was, you know, very positive, ego boosting. Welcome back to Critical Talks. I'm your host, Gabor Sabu. This is part of episode seven with the incredible Keith Fong, where he and I pick up our chat on where we left off in part one. In part one, we touched on different models, approaches to training, and why an industrial, off-the-shelf approach to education does not deliver lasting results. We introduced the term active learning, a learning model that can lead to effective learning, competency and the skills being taught with long-lasting results. In this episode, we go into detail on how to successfully apply the active learning model in your day-to-day, -day, and we even go over how we've applied the model in real life. Are you ready? Let's go. This is the Critical Talks Podcast with Gabor Sabu. Thought exchange about experiences, lessons from the past, and trends towards the future of the quality profession. Enough of talking theory, so let's talk actual practical application of this, um, this principle of active learning. Yes. Uh, Keith and I had the opportunity to work together on a project earlier this year where um, there was training involved. So we teamed up to train a number of individuals, a small group of individuals. Um, essentially, it was a quality engineering technique, um, measurement systems analysis that we, uh, we uh, teamed upon and uh, taught to these individuals. And um, we had the opportunity to come up with a program, design the program itself, right? The, the, the goal of the training program was to up-level these individuals as far as their MSA skills, right? so that they would become practitioners, more experienced practitioners, and eventually coaches and mentors. And like I said, we got to design the program and we had great discussion, a great discussion about, okay, so what do we wanna do here? Let's try this, let's try that. Obviously I was relying on Keith because he, he has significant experience teaching teaching engineers and technical individuals. And what we came up with was some sort of a learning environment. So let's talk about that, Keith. Sure, sure. So, well, you know, one of the things that we talked about was getting rid of the external trainer, right? But we said we need to up-level the skills with the idea that eventually a need for somebody, you know, 
an external consultant expert type person is not necessary. And, you know, so what's the model? Like, how do we do this? Uh -huh. Right. And so one of the things we said is, well, we don't want to saturate them, right? A three-day class is too fast. Pointless. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, we'll, we'll dump it on them and then, you know, they'll move on. But what we, what we, and the pandemic kind of facilitated this. We said, well, let's do two hours a week, right? Because the fundamental problem that we're facing in this particular case is that these are, you know, professionals who are basically untrained. I mean, they have a little bit of informal peer training, but, you know, among all of the, uh, among all of the things they do, you know, MSA, reviewing measurement system analyses is just one task that they have. Yet, I would argue that measurement systems and their reliability is essential. It's one of these high payback um, uh, capabilities, right? If you, or competencies that, that, you know, a supplier quality engineer must be good at to have the best uh, performance for, for a company. Yeah. So, so yeah. these, these were people who, who were dealing with it, but they, they just, you know, they were basically looking for, is this statistic acceptable? Yeah. If it's not acceptable, we'll reject it. That's partially thanks to, uh, you know, common methods in place for decades. Yeah. Talking about the AIAG MSA manual. Thank you mm -hmm. so much, AIAG, for uh, making uh, things confusing for the community. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't have to be confusing. It doesn't have. Well, it to doesn't be. have to be, but it, it is. But but you know, one of the things is is that there's also everything around. Hey, we got to get you know we got to get these project these reports done, these suppliers approved, and whatever. So there's again measurement system analysis one task among many, and to say that it's complete, they look at one statistic in the the you know the the supplier reports, and if it's good enough, boom, move on. But obviously that's not enough because problems have occurred. Right, this is true any corporation involved in manufacturing sees this and, you know, but what, what we talked about is, Hey, we, we want to up level the skill. What do we got to do? And it's like, some of these concepts are a little bit subtle. These, these people have, you know, they're, they're going to be pulled out of the regular job for a certain amount of time. And can we do it in a way that doesn't, uh, you know, make this feel like punishment. And so again, we came down to, Hey, this pandemic, everybody's doing stuff, you know, through video virtual. web, you know, yeah. virtual. So we can, we can do two hours a week. No problem. Two hours, people, you know, even if they're busy, they can schedule it in. And then we, we said, okay, they work with this. We want to have them share what they do and use that as a, a means to help the others learn. And also by forcing them to share what they do, it motivates them to seek learning, you know, lessons that we can teach them. Yeah. Right. Cause it's like, oh, I have to go present, you know. So one of the things we did is, all right, take one of your measurement system analysis reports. Everybody in the class was expected to do this and, and share it with the team, like then explain what's going on. And then they're like, well, I actually don't know what's going on. Well then, you know, talk to me, talk to Gabor and, you know, so we have coaching sessions that would drive them, you know, of course, there's the social element, they don't want to look bad. And we leverage that, right? So we said, well, let's have them do that. Let's, let's pose questions to them. 
right? So as, as we start introducing ideas, then explain them back to us, right? So it's sort of Socratic in that fashion. Yeah. And, and but to your, you know, to add to your, um, to your point, that was also like lecture type of oh, sure. sessions involved, not, you know, not uh, very many, but there were some. Yeah, and, and there's uh, ones that they responded the worst to, right? I mean, yeah. we, we would survey them and those, the ones that were lecture was like, why, that was terrible, which and, is good. And, yeah, and you know, the fact that the, the program itself was spread out into many, many weeks and not just one week or four days, right? That allowed us to continuously revisit our assumptions. Hey, like, are they learning? Or maybe we're not doing something right. Maybe let's tweak the method a little bit, right? So the, the following week, we would do something different. Yes. We would focus on something else, right? So that iterative nature of the, the training itself allowed us to essentially revisit our assumptions, not just one time or twice, but throughout the program, which I loved. Yes. Well, and that calls, that calls like the most important assumption that we made in the beginning, right? Because we, we said, oh, you know, this, we're experts at this. You know, we're deeply, both of us have a love deep knowledge about, you know, measurement system analysis. And, and we projected onto the, the students in the class that they would be able to adapt to what we understood very quickly you know, that it would be as, as self-evident to them as it is to us. And that, so, you know, we discovered very, it's like, oh, when we put them in this position, they're not, they're not understanding the ideas quite as well as we expected, right? So our, our expect, it wasn't that the students were bad. It was that our expectations were unrealistic because we were looking at through the lens of us and our position as experts. And so that, that actually was, was, uh, you know, one of those things that really when you're an expert you, you tend to think it's as easy for everybody else as it is for you and that that wasn't true well and, yeah i don't like to call myself an expert in anything i'm i'm curious right and what i'm curious about i research and i learn more about but anyway um and, and you know the goal is not for you know this group to become an expert or a world authority yeah msa but to develop a working knowledge that they could spread to others, to their peers, to, to their suppliers, right? Thereby essentially spreading the knowledge. Yes, yes, yes. Right? Yeah. So, so the thing, well, what were we doing, right? Because if you're listening to this, you might be saying, well, okay, what exactly did you do to make some of this happen, right? So, so there is, first, we said we're going to keep the class size down, right? We're not, we're not going to try, you know, we're not going to have 40 people in a class because then you're going to have people who are completely checked out. So we said 10 maximum and there were nine in the class. And then, as I said, it was, it was two hour sessions every week. And then uh, each week the students would either present, well, we had the students present an example of the you know, measurement system analysis that they had from their own work. So this is relevant to them. And it gave, these students were not all from the same business unit. So they got a chance to see other 
you know, across the product lines. Oh, well, you know, these people do something different than us. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. All right. So it expands their knowledge, even about the, what the company's doing, but that, that, you know, uh, emphasizes the relevance of this. And then they would also be challenged to teach certain of the lessons. I can say, oh, well, we're, this is the next lesson. And this particular student gets to teach it. So in the interim, it's like, oh, wait, I get to teach it. And I mean, it's a little scary for some of them. Yeah. But, but at the same point, we want them to be able to teach and coach. So we want them to do that in the confines of the class. Yeah. So that we can help them. It's not, it's not, to, it's not to hurt them, right? I mean, it's like, we need to see how you're doing. And, and the other thing, you know, so, so that was a really nice thing because then they sought help, right? They were particularly motivated to seek help. Although the one thing I would change is that I would require them to have coaching regularly as opposed to say, you know, seek help if you think you need it. Yeah. That, that, that is one change I would make in a, in a future course. But then the other thing, it helped us a lot in assessing, are they understanding this? And the other thing that we did to help assess their understanding is we said, make a cheat sheet or a crib sheet about the lessons in this class. About your learnings. Yeah. As yes. to what you think are the most important concepts, techniques, and stuff like that. And in addition to that, they were also asked to create a short instructional video. You know, yeah, very the, short. Yeah, short. It doesn't have to be a one-hour lecture, but of their, you know, topic of choice or tool of choice or what have you, right? And I thought that was that was really good. Well, again, what we could see in contrast to lecture, you know, lectures where you know the instructor stands in front of the class, talks at him, and you know, you can get you can get some pretty high evaluation scores, right? And that's really ego boosting. But the task of training is not to boost the instructor's ego, right? The task of training is to boost the capacity of the students, you know, the capabilities of the students. Having them do things that, that shows you, oh, this is the state of their understanding gives you as the instructor the ability to address any misunderstandings. And that's, that's what I, you know, that's why it's so great. Talk about one of your applications of this, you know, measurement system analysis, teach a lesson about this measurement system analysis, you know, write a crib sheet about all the various topics that you think are of importance. Like, so we can sense, we can get a sense for what you thought was important takeaways from the class. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, fourth, create a little video. So again, we can see how well you articulate the ideas, right? So Again, the goal wasn't to make them world authorities. And this training works by, by making them active and making them do stuff. You know, we're, we are teaching lessons. I mean, they're, the, the lecture didn't completely go away, but yeah. we also had this feedback loop where we could say, you have to synthesize stuff, you know, and, and, and it's okay if you make errors because that gives us the ability to help you. Right. So, you know, there was, there was one guy who misunderstood central limit theorem. We wouldn't have known that if he hadn't done a crib sheet, but when we saw his crib sheets, like, oh, okay, there's a, there's a misunderstanding here and we can coach that out. So, and 
the response on the student side was you know, very positive ego boosting you know it was <laughs> they were they you know they're like oh well i was particularly pleased that one of them described the benefit of the training that you know msa was became a three became three dimensional to him before it was just like a thing you know but by by going through the instruction he could suddenly see it in in more ways it wasn't just okay i'm looking for a checkbox but there's something here that's you know i can use to understand more deeply right and you know and, yeah yeah the good say? thing is you know this approach can just can can be applied to pretty much any you know any technique any tool any discipline it doesn't have to be yeah. quality related at all no no uh, no not at all you can not extend it you know, to your, to your organization and uh, come up with these programs that actually teach people how to think and how to, how to become better teachers themselves in whatever subject matter mm -hmm. it is that you, you know, you teach them. Well, and I think the key is to, to think of yourself as kind of a facilitator on a learning journey as opposed to, oh, I am a source of knowledge and I'm going to pour it into you. But to say, hey, I wanna set up situations where you have to practice knowledge, you know? And then to force you to feel like, oh, I need to ask a question to, uh, you know, put, basically putting the students on the spot regularly so that it, you know, they feel what they don't know. Not that they're sitting there comfortably in a lecture where they aren't, you know, they're just sitting there and they're listening and maybe they're thinking about lunch and then they listen some more. But by saying, hey, you, you have to look it up and tell us what you, what you understand. That makes learning very active. So it, it's, it's to be engaged, you know, and that's, and I think that's, I really want to emphasize a point here that you know, you and I did this in a, in a class, but the ultimate goal is to get enough people and especially supervisors, right, to be able to ex expect this from the other employees. Because once that's expected, everybody's going to step up. So it becomes a self-sustaining thing. Exactly. Within the organization. Yes. But you don't have to pay someone to do this. You don't have to, you don't need external consultants to, you know, to help you or to do it for you, right? Because the peer to beer level is, you know, the peers are of such a level that they can bring, you know, the new person in and bring them up and saying, this is what we, this is what we do here. And the supervisor looks at the work and says, this is not what, you know, if it's inadequate, the supervisor can look at and say, this isn't how we do things. You, you need to take it up to this level and, you know, work with this person or I will tell you, help you. But that's, that's a key. And again, that's, that's actually one of the, I think the keys to success for Toyota is everybody's a teacher right? Everybody's getting better at this. And, and that's a model that when we talk about active learning is like actively learning every day. And, and, you know, as opposed to, well, I'm learning is a, is a unique event. No, learning is an ongoing everyday process. So, okay. So what, um, what is a consultant's role in all this then? Should they start looking for jobs? Well, no, I mean, there's always a need. I mean, there's always a need for bringing in expertise, 
right? It's like, hey, we don't have enough. But I'll give you an example from when I was working at Delphi. So there was the design engineering group, which basically their role was to take the sketches and whatnot from the engineers and, you know, put them into the computer and make the drawings and the 3D models and the, you know, the specs and all that. That's, supposed, you know, the product of a technical center is what they produce. You know, they're, they're the people who take the ideas and actually make it into the documents that go into the plants, the suppliers to everybody, right? Now, they were second-class citizens. It was, a, it was a role where it's like, okay, we give you these drawings, you know, don't think, just make the drawings. And the, the way the, the, the systems were set up, you know, it was just taking a long time. They took very long, a lot of errors, um, you know, it's just, and the people in the group wanted to get out. This was just, you know, second-class citizens. Well, they got a new manager, a very systems-oriented guy, and he says, hey, I want my people to be good at problem solving. And, you know, we, we looked at it and the way we did things, we use Shane and Red X for technical problem solving and we use Six Sigma for, uh, you know, transactional pro process improvement. So, you know, and what's doing drawings, it's totally transactional. So we started working with them, you know, our team, the two of us on the team. And they had been hiring a consultant to teach them GD&T, you know, geometric dimensioning and tolerating. Great guy. And, you know, he taught them, and this has been going on for several years. They would just keep bringing them back. And I would say to them, you guys do GD&T every day. You guys know how to do this. Why aren't you teaching? It's like, oh, no, no, you know, this consult's really good. And, you know, we don't feel like we're able to teach it as well as him. Well, after about a year and a half, they had solved so many of their own problems. You know, they figured, you know, they'd taken ownership of their processes. Like they discovered that one, you know, two designers sitting in the same cube, one guy could get... One of them could get it done, the work done with few errors in like three hours. And the other one took two days and it was riddled with errors. Well, why? Oh, because of lack of training. One guy knew things the other guy didn't know. And there was no scheme to get the, the lesser capable guy developed. So they started creating training to solve these problems. They improved their, you know, they improved their document processing and everything. And so the time to, you know, they were getting rid of all kinds of time to, to take care of stuff. They were eliminating problems that were being sent to them by engineers. So they're starting to have like, you know, autonomy and mastery over their processes. And they said, well, we, um, they started looking at their GD&T and said, you know, we can do this training. And so they developed training, which was really, really good. Now the, the consultant was good. Don't, don't get me wrong, but these guys, they came in there, they, they, they made like physical models that, that you could use to actually do the sketches and things. And they had a super interactive and it's so good. And they, they became so forward thinking that, that they, uh, the other divisions had to pay to take the training in our division. And they used the money that they got from the other divisions to pay for certifications from ASME. That's to, super cool. For yeah. like three or four of the people in their right. in their team. And instead of it being a group where people wanted to get out as quickly as possible, it became a group where people wanted to make, you know, wanted to stay there because they enjoyed that work. And they were treated like professionals because, you know, their, as their problem solving skills developed, they became owners of it. And so, you know, the, the consultant had a role to get them rolling. And, and, you know, me, I was an internal consultant to them and it wasn't just me, but also my peer, Valeria, 
you know, and actually mostly her doing most of the training with them, but, you know, it was for us to, to, to develop their capacities. And as they developed, they started saying, well, we can do this. We can do this. And that's, you know, that's the thing. If you don't know how to do something, you, you know, your options are limited, but once you know, and you have confidence in your ability, you get better. But the consultants, I think there's a role, you know, you come in there and kind of help get them off zero. Get them off the ground and, yes. and just, just let them. Well, get them to where they're, they're, they're self-sustaining. And, and, and again, stepping back to Delphi, but when they started and saying, Hey, you know what, we're going to be, we're going to be the world leader in this and, you know, 10 or 12 years, and then 10 or 12 years later, there's nothing. Well, if you step back and say, there wasn't a plan for that. They wanted it to happen. It was a wish, but there wasn't any sort of thought, well, how do we actually make this happen in reality? Right. So that's, that's kind of a key point, but as people become more and more uh, well-developed, you know, and then start realizing, wait a second, I have mastery, you know, and I have, you know, I'm a professional. I have some autonomy. I can do this, you know, they'll do it, but you know, that's not the case in most places right now. And so there's still a place for consultants, but I think you should look at consultants and say, how soon can I get rid of you? You know, I, I think you had to say, I don't want you here forever. You know, I want what you have to teach us and I want it to, us to have it, but this isn't, this isn't, you know, a, a gravy train for a full career. And unfortunately in too many places, that's, that's exactly what you see. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, the, they don't develop the people, therefore, you keep going back to the consultants. And, you know, that's, to me, that's wrong. Okay. Yeah, I see how that, that, uh, that's possible. It's possible to, uh, to have consultants and, uh, you know, get the best of both worlds. Yeah. I mean, again, if, if, it, if it is a skill or knowledge that needs to be, you know, that's necessary for the, the sustainability the of your business. Yeah. yeah. It's core to your problem solving is core to your business. I don't care what business you're in. You need to be good at problem solving. Yes. You can learn from others outside and maybe sometimes you need some extra help, but how is that getting cultivated? Somebody new arrives in there. Do you have to send them to an external class? Well, the answer is active learning. Yes, there's Great. active learning and taking ownership of that. And that, that to me is a leader role, right? If you just say, oh yeah, I just want to go into employees are us and hire somebody who's already skilled at this. It's like, yeah, good luck. Yeah, you know? to me, leadership starts with, you know, the willingness to, mm-hmm. not just the willingness, but uh, wanting to develop your people, your peers, oh, your yeah. reports. And by wanting to develop, I, I don't mean sending them to a four-day training, but finding the best way to cultivate that knowledge and that skill set that you like to see them utilizing, right? Mm-hmm. That's taking ownership. Yes, yes. That's what taking ownership looks like to me. Absolutely. So, great. Well, that was that was amazing. Well, it's fun uh, conversation. You realize we've been at it for almost an hour and a half. About a while, yes. Yeah, <laughs> long overdue. That conversation was long overdue, and uh, a feeling that we'll see you in another episode sometime. Oh, I'm sure we've got, we've got we always have more to talk about, Gabor. Oh, absolutely, so, absolutely. Yeah. Well, have so, a great day. I appreciate the invitation and to talk about this training because it is near and dear to my heart. 
Absolutely. So uh, one more question before mm-hmm. we wrap up here. So what are you doing these days? Are you consulting? Are you, what are you up to? I'm doing a little bit of consulting. I mean, mostly it's uh, uh, been caring for family, you know, that's, okay. that's elderly parents. And that's so, so that's been, been a big player in my life right now. And I've, I'm blessed to have the opportunity. So, but uh, yes, I'm, I'm seeing the next year is, is more focused on consulting. Great. So uh, folks, if anyone's a great consultant, Keith is the, the real deal. So uh, I can't reach out on that. LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. So how do people uh, get a hold of you? Of course, no, I say that's ideal just to reach out okay. on LinkedIn. Sure. Sure. Well, um, well, well, I hope we, uh, we hear from you soon. All right. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Thanks, Keith. That was part two of episode seven. I hope you all enjoyed and learned from this chat with Keith as much as I did. I appreciate you listening to the show. Thank you for all your support. If you find these conversations valuable, please spread the word on Critical Talks and don't forget to give us a five-star rating. If you have a specific topic that you'd like to chat with me about, Feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn, and we'll get you on the show. All right, I will catch you in another episode of Critical Talks. In the meantime, stay curious and keep on learning.